We all have questions. Questions about faith and relationships, beliefs and politics and social issues in our planet and God. Where do you go when you're done with cliches and starving for the conversation to ascend? What do you do when you're struggling to find connection within your community, within your church? So join us, Lauren, Danielle, and Jason, to connect, discuss relevant topics, and try to navigate living in the tension of everyday life as Jesus followers. We call this podcast, The Outsiders. Welcome, everybody, and thank you so much for listening and engaging with us in our weekly podcast, The Outsiders. Lauren and Danielle and I are having a ton of fun doing these podcasts, so thank you so much for being a part. Um, And today is a huge day, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, But first, let's like introduce ourselves. Uh, Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Are you lying? I feel like there's a little hesitation. No, I was just thinking of like how my day has been. Oh, yeah. And it's, okay. it's been a good day. Oh, so. okay. That's a win. Yeah, okay, good. total win. So Lauren's having a good day. Great. Um, Danielle, what's going on? How's your day? Really good. You know, just here, excited to be with you guys, excited to tackle this topic. Aww. Well, I don't know if excited is the right word, but I'm ready, excited. ready to tackle yeah, this topic. I think it needs to be talked about. Yes. So I'm excited that we have this safe space to have this conversation, especially today, um, because in case you live in a cave or a rock or you're listening to this at a different time, it is, ec- wow, it is election day 2020. Yikes. Yes, right? And there's just even when I say that, right? It's election day 2020. The air is heavy. We've been thinking about this, talking about it, arguing about it mm-hmm. for months. Years. Years. And uh and, and now is the day when America votes. And um and so because of this, it's heavy. There's a lot of tension. And um, so buckle up, like get ready. <laughs> um, because it's going to be uncomfortable. But it, it's important to have a safe space to have these conversations, um, especially as we think about what does it look like to both be political and follow Jesus. So that's what we're talking about. Um and so just to kind of get the conversation started. I was just thinking, um, so years ago, right, way back when I lived in Southern California and I was a pastor and a Bible teacher, I used to lead uh, mission trips, right? For years, I led mission trips um, all over the world, but every year we went to Mexico and there's this great ministry out there. It's called Amor Ministries, where basically you pay a certain amount of money and that money goes to purchase land and the building materials. And then you take your crew and you go for a week. It only takes a week. And by the time you get there, the materials are there on the plot of land. Um, and you will get ready to build a home for a homeless family. And, you know, anyway, so we did this for years, took students all, all the time, uh, so much so that I'm pretty sure I, could, I have the plans memorized. Um, but I do remember one day, I think it was in 2011 or so, um, is at the beginning stages of building this home for this homeless, this homeless family. There was a mom, a dad, they had three kids, I randomly remember. And um, we got the, the pad put down and the concrete pad, it was ready, and we were building the first wall. And that first wall, everything was fine, but I did notice toward the end, um, honestly, I, me- I mismeasured just a little bit, like about an inch or so. It was just, it was just off. I was like, well, it's probably going to be okay. Uh, so we finished the other two walls, uh, actually the other three walls, put them up. And it's like, everything was fine. It, it worked. Like, it was like, okay, no one's really going to notice that it's barely off. So then we went and we constructed the roof, put the roof on and finished that. 
and everything was fine. One of the last things you do in the home is to install the windows. And we did that and it was fine. I mean, it was a little tight, but everything was fine. So I'm thinking, okay, no one's really going to notice that I was just about an inch off on the first wall until the final stage. And the last thing you do before handing the new owners the keys to their home is you hang the front door. And the problem with that is that the front door, <laughs> it's a right angle, right? It's, it's, it's square. So, so it we, has to be right. It has to be right. And so got the hinges up, we hung the door and at first it looked okay until we tried to open it. And the, like, it was not functional. It just would not open. That one inch being off on that front wall totally kind of messed up the entire thing, right? It just made the whole home incomplete. Um, and there was clearly tension. And so it was just kind of this idea where one little mismeasurement really can affect the entire thing. But you fixed it, right? I feel like this story needs a happy ending. I know that's not the point of today's podcast, but I feel like people need to know that this ended okay. Um, it did end okay. Okay, yes. that's all. That's um, good. It took. There were a lot of. There were some sledgehammers involved, um, but we did end up re, re, doing it correctly, and then we got it fixed. Uh, but we tried doing all sorts of janky things, and it just didn't work, which is actually part of the problem. Like. Even when it comes to politics, we can like dig in hard on a position or a party or a candidate or whatever. But what if we're actually off just a little bit, right? We could be totally right in just about all areas. But if we're off just a little bit, like does it have the pet potential to just mess up the entire thing? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, in relation to your story, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just think a lot about, you know, where we, we currently are that we're still in the middle of a pandemic and that mm. there, you know, are sides to treatment, whether we should wear masks, all mm. those sorts of things. And, you know, with it being election day, at least for me, kind of feeling like maybe there's a glimmer of hope, but the mm. last few months that it's felt a little hopeless. Mm -hmm. um, and with kind of what's been happening in the news and just with candidates and the way that people are talking to one another, it's kind or yelling of, at each other. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of embarrassing to be an American right now. Mm. Like, I don't, I personally don't feel very prideful mm. about, you know, what is happening right now. Um, and also, um, like part of my job is managing our social media. And I personally can kind of curate like who I want to see and what those posts are, but to manage my institutions, mm. social media, it's kind of like a free for all. And so it's, kind of traumatic sometimes to see some of like the inflammatory things on either side that people mm. are posting because it's, you know, what they believe in the side that they're on um, to see that. Cause I can't necessarily turn it off. Mm. Um, and so these last few months I would say have been really difficult, you know, in addition to black lives matter and, you know, some of these other things that, that we're talking about, like, 2020 has been a rough go mm -hmm. and we still have like a month left of the year. Right. Yay. <laughs> well, so have you noticed like leading up to the election, like have, 
Did the comments get more intense or more rigorous? Or did you notice any sort of trend? It's or a lot. It's just kind of been consistent. There's a lot of... Um, lot of comments I've just seen on, you know, someone posting and then there's someone posting like a personal opinion or something. And then there'd be like a hundred comments because there's just back and forth, back and forth, or just, you know, the things that you're seeing on, on TV, you're like, how did we get here? And, you know, I I think it really has been kind of the perfect storm because we have this pandemic and we have all of these social issues and we have the election. And I know some people, you know, would say that it's this whole conspiracy theory and it's happening that way on purpose. But regardless of that, I think that it really has been just such a perfect storm where people are very focused and very hyper aware of politicizing everything right now. A lot of people have more time on their hands because they're Mm. at home. They're spending more time on social media. So the potential for this stuff to just kind of blow up and become so much more inflammatory and just kind of Mm -hmm. crazy is definitely there. Um, And, you know, it's definitely been an interesting season to navigate for me as a transplant from Canada. Um, I mean, I've only, I've lived here for five years now. So my very first year here, would have been when there was an election. And I will admit that I was somebody who was like, this is not my country. I have literally zero desire to learn about your political system. I don't plan on staying here. You know, I didn't vote that election. I didn't take time to research anything, learn anything. Um, But with this election coming, I definitely have uh, changed my tune a little bit because I can definitely see the importance of this. But it's just been, it's been crazy, guys. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, obviously... I didn't live in Canada as an adult for, I think there was one election and I think I had like just turned 18 or 19. So I, I didn't vote in that either. So I, I wouldn't say I have the best grasp of election season in Canada mm. either. Um, but I will say, I feel like even though there are two you know parties that dominate there as well, it does feel like there are just there's more opportunity for your voice to be heard. There are more parties that at least have some seats at the table. There are more options. And I think the biggest thing that's been crazy for me is even though we, you know, in Canada have probably had pretty polarizing elections as well, I can honestly say that I've never felt scared mm. or like anxious about mm-hmm. an election season. Like you, you always know? had hope. Right. Like it was always like, you know, one one person might win or the other person might win. And sure, there are certain things and preferences that might be affected by that, but it was never like, oh my gosh, you know, the fate of the world, as dramatic as that sounds, like the fate of serious things actually mm-hmm. is lying in in someone's hands right now. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there is a lot of fear and anxiety and just questions and tension going around related to this. And that's definitely something I have not experienced before. Mm-hmm. I don't think many of us have experienced that before, if ever. So... Yeah, I remember when I was little, like in elementary school, we would do hold like mock elections (laughs) with, you know, the people who were candidates. And it was such a powerful experience to get to vote for the first time when I turned 18. Um, And because that was in 2008. Mm. Um, And I was at Southern whenever Mm. the election happened. And so, you know, I had to go through because I didn't live in Tennessee at the time. So I did have to do an absentee ballot and Mm. being in the residence hall whenever the election was called. I mean, people were running up and down the hallways like it was just on another level. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I think in the back of my head, there's always been like a huge responsibility. Um, and then the following election, I didn't vote because I was like, oh, whatever, like Obama's probably going to be reelected. I'm living in a red state, doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, and how wrong I was about that mentality. And then when I first moved here to Ohio, it was an election year. And one of the very first things that I did was go change my license yeah, yeah. and my <laughs> registration yeah. because we're a swing state and understanding like the importance of my vote and like there are more issues that I was just aware of. And I think the older that you get, more of sure. those things kind of come to the forefront of healthcare and mm -hmm. things that are like you're responsible for. You're no longer really like under your parents' reign or, or whatever, mm -hmm. I think for the majority of, you know, young adults. So you have to live a little life, I yeah. think, yeah. before you appreciate, oh, wow, I really, these matter, these things do matter. Well, and I think you start to understand too, it's not necessarily, because I think something for me that was always really overwhelming about the idea of voting was, I just, the thought of trying to find somebody that I 100% agreed with, mm. I was like, there's no way I have enough time to find out every single thing they stand for and, and pick. Like, yeah. that's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. But I think to your point, thinking about specific things like zeroing in on maybe healthcare or, you know, discrimination or equality, like just different social issues or you know, other issues that are really important and could potentially impact us or people that we care about, I think you start to realize, well, even if the scales just barely tipped one direction, you know, you, you have to make a choice. It's not find who exactly represents you. It's, you kind of got to pick just the best option sometimes. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing, it's, it's really a complete mess. And I think one of the reasons it's a mess is because we just in our normal, regular rhythm of life, we don't exist in relationships for the purpose of making each other like into our own image, which I think makes sense, right? So if we were to go to the scriptures and in Genesis 1, when it talks about creation, like our Bible specifically says that God spoke and he said, let us make humans in our image. And just without like nerding out and going into all the you know original language stuff, it's interesting that for God, there is a plurality. Like there's a plurality to who God is, which means community. God is community. Mm -hmm. And so of course we crave community because according to the scriptures, we are created in God's image. So of course community is important and, and politics affects community. And, and so, you know, if we, I think it's interesting. So according to the scriptures, God made a male first, but then he wasn't done. Oh, well, of course he wasn't done. Like he had to make a female. So then for humans, they could experience community, therefore more fully reflect the image of God because he is community. So I think when it comes to politics, um, of course we should care about these things because politics affects community. Yes. Politics do, I mean, really everything affects community, which I think is why it's important the topics that we're covering on our podcast to start the conversation around. But I think that as we're learning and how we're seeing how people talk about these topics is that there are different sides. We mentioned with right. Black Lives Matter that, you know, there are different sides that it for how people can relate to the matter. And I think the same thing 
um, can be said about politics, that there are some people that are, you know, so fearful of the conflict and the tension that comes with politics that they kind of avoid saying anything and keeping, you know, what they believe to be true to themselves um, because there's just that fear of having a conversation that you know, they don't want to say the wrong thing or mm-hmm. to be misunderstood, which is valid. Oh, it's sure. Totally valid. You can totally mean one thing, but even like the inflection or the way you say it, or even like the word that you type in, like someone will totally take it yeah, a different way. Right. Yeah. And then I think that there are others who are so strongly convicted of their mm-hmm. beliefs and will so, and be like so confident Um, in telling you what they believe or are against, Mm -hmm. that there's no room for an actual conversation because of how polarizing they are. Mm. And these two ways of thinking really do cause a divide between people because the silence says something and then the the not silence, right? The like (laughs) over the top. They're going extra. There's there's no room and it just, I think, widens the space so that, you're either, yeah, choosing to be silent and keeping stuff to yourself, which I don't think is helpful in the in the matter. Um, or you you can be surrounding yourself with people that are that only believe the same way that you do, mm-hmm. right. and so you're in this like homogenous little circle, and you're not seeing anyone else's side because no one's challenging you from that, um, and then there's the other side where there are those people who are willing to push through the uncomfortability of whatever the topic may be to have conversations, to hear what someone else's position might be and to an engage to engage in a conversation yeah. that can be meaningful. Even if you don't come to an agreement sure. at the end of that conversation, mm-hmm a conversation was still had. Right. Yeah. And I think it can be hard to try to be that, you know, third option that you presented because I think that a lot of the time we kind of feel like the two options are, you know, bull in a china shop or wet blanket. <laughs> and you it, it's hard to be that third person because you don't really know what you're going to get. And it can mm. be really exhausting. Like, really exhausting to try to have conversations with people who just want to bulldoze you, Mm -hmm. you know, because you may genuinely want to have that conversation and push through the discomfort. But I mean, if you're just standing there and someone's going to be a bulldozer, they're going to be a bulldozer. Like Mm -hmm. you don't win against a bulldozer, you know? Right. And I think it is a challenge because so many people want, well, this is what I believe. So you have to believe this, right? And and this is the right way. So walk ye in it, right? We almost attach a certain level of morality mm. and ethic mm-hmm. to certain situations. And that's, I do believe that there is morality and ethic within politics. So don't get me wrong. Speaking of being taken out of context and having you say something else. But I do think <laughs> even from, you know, what I was just saying a, a second ago, when God created us in his image and in community, he didn't just make the same, right? Even at mm-hmm. the very beginning, he made us very different and almost to recognize that within community, there is not sameness, there's mm-hmm. oneness and there's a difference. We can mm-hmm. be one together, but still celebrate the beauty of diversity. Um, and so I think, you know, let's just talk about it real quick because some people like to argue this. 
Can you be, right? I've had this asked recently, can you be a Christian and also be political? And like, honestly, my first knee-jerk reaction is you can't be a Christian and not be political. Unpack that a little bit. Almost going back to what I was just saying before, because for God, community is really important, right? He created us for each other, to love each other, to support each other, to take care of our world and all within it. Um, He gave us responsibility. And so, no, of course, when it comes to politics, if it affects people's lives, then of course I should partner in it and, and, and let it be a part of my life and have knowledgeable opinions on on the world and our community and ultimately how can we partner with our government and our community and God to move us forward in yeah. a positive positive way. So you're saying sort of because of our of the responsibility that God has placed on us in his image to help facilitate community and help, you know, with the growth of the people around us, mm-hmm. that is why it's important for us to be invested in things like politics. Sure. And and I think, obviously, there are two sides to every coin. But I think when it comes to politics, sometimes there are certain politics or certain agendas or whatever that is used to divide people. And I think anytime there is division, and this could be any in any context of, of conversation or life, anything that divides people... I'm really, I'm really cautious against that because that's not what we're called for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, what would it look like to be involved with politics as a Jesus follower, um, but for the purpose of eliminating the space between us, right? Because there is space. Maybe it's you know not necessarily physical space, um, but emotional space or our stance on certain things. Um, and anytime there's that space, it's like, no, we were created for community to be together. Not the same, different, but yet, to help support each other. And so I do think it's our role to be knowledgeable, but then to really be intentional on what can I do to help eliminate the spaces. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I really like that. I like the way you put that. And it's definitely not something I've thought about before, you know, when considering politics as a Christian. And I think with today being election day, a lot of us are just anticipating what is coming Mm -hmm. um and everyone (laughs) right and everyone has what they ideally would like to see happen Mm -hmm. and i think that right now as christians especially you know working off of the of these principles that you're just kind of talking about why it's important for us to engage in politics and to care um i think we're all kind of looking for actionable steps or something that we can actually do Mm -hmm. to restore some semblance of kindness and humanity in this incredibly broken world right now in light of everything that's happening and you know obviously we're not all going to agree on things. And I don't think that we should, you know, I think that it's important to take a stand for the things that you fundamentally believe are important and your values and the things that matter to you. But I think that we also have seen firsthand that kindness is not a thing in 2020. And I think that 2020 so desperately needs that. And I, I just think that the bigger question here is, whether or not this super tense and stark divide is necessary, is there something that we can do to help close the gap and make that space just a little bit smaller? No, I think that's a really good question. Um, Honestly, it makes me think about this Jewish tradition where essentially within this tradition, they believe that when a baby is born, 
everyone is connected to God by a rope, which is really interesting. And then when we choose to sin or miss the mark, and you know, we could have another conversation about that, but the idea is when, you, when we sin, it's like we cut that rope and now there is space between us and God. But then the tradition says, God is not okay with that. He's not okay with the space. So he takes initiative, comes after us, grabs our rope, takes his rope, and then ties the two halves together, which is okay for a while until we decide to sin again. And then the rope is cut and the same things can, continues. But what's interesting about this tradition to me is two things. First, we keep making these decisions and God never lets up on us, right? He keeps pursuing us and he, he passionately pursues us um, and takes that initiative. But the other thing is, not only does he do that, he's not okay with all that space. So he takes our rope and he takes his rope. And every time he does that, every time we cut the rope and then he reties the rope, we're actually physically getting closer to God. And so it's like God sees our, our, how we mess up, but he's not okay with space. And if that's how God is with us, shouldn't that be how we are with each other? Yes. But it's hard, right? Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. hard to take initiative, especially when someone, oh, I'm this, and you totally believe something else. Um, it's hard to take initiative to reach for the ropes and attempt to try to tie them together. And the question that I think I have in relation to that is, Obviously, you know, it's a little bit of a different dynamic between God and us and us and other people. But do you think that both people have to be willing to try to close that space for us to be able to grab the ends of the rope and tie them together? Because I think that a lot of the time in these conversations about politics, you maybe have one person who is seeking some kind of constructive conversation mm. and you have the other person who is seeking a debate or an argument or a fight. And not that that's always the case, but I think sure. that sometimes you get that push and pull that's a little bit uneven. And so my thought is, you know, how do we navigate that? Do you think that impacts that when one person is like, no, I want to hold on to your rope and I want to bring us closer. And the other yeah. person is like, I don't want anything to do with your rope unless you <laughs> think that I'm right. Yeah. You know? No, I think that's a really good question. Honestly, I don't know. I, I think maybe for some situations and maybe not for others. I just think, so I, I've noticed this with my wife and I, and I know I seem to be perfect in every way, but there are times when I am, you know, slightly not 100%. And I'll have arguments with Andrea, in case you don't know, Andrea's my wife. Um, and, you know, maybe we have a, a heated discussion on something. And I remember specifically one time we're talking about an issue and I don't think I was going to back away. But just in the middle of the conversation, and really it was not going to any sort of resolution. She's just like, just so you know, I love you. And like in that moment, it totally like disarms, right? It's like this whole issue we're talking about, it's not really that important, right? And so in that moment, it's like she took initiative to to, to tie the rope, right? To, to, to eliminate that space that was between us. And at least in my experience, I think it helps. But I don't know. I, I can't say that that's how every conversation is going to be. Yeah, I don't think that there is necessarily like a clear roadmap that you can follow to guarantee the same outcome every single time. But I think what's important is that there is at least an effort, right? Right. So like every single time that we sin, God is retying that knot. Mm -hmm. He could just be like, Lauren, seriously, again, yeah. like we're going to do this. Right. Um, and so I think that 
like what I'm getting out of that is there's always, it's always, um, maybe not always, but for the majority of the time, it's worth making the effort Mm -hmm. unless then there is someone that is making it very clear that like, I got to drop, like I literally have to drop the rope. There is no point in continuing the conversation because Mm -hmm. there is not going to be a good conclusion to it. And if there's no progress, it's just toxic. You're not going anywhere. And yeah. But I think, I think it's worth a try. And I think it's also important to point out like with it being 2020 and just the perfect storm that I think you're seeing a lot more conversations are online because people aren't able to have face-to-face conversations. And so what we do to distract ourselves is to go on social media and just scroll. And it's like, again, another argument, like, come on, I just want to see like your cute kids or or whatever, like like, (laughs) what I wanted social media to be a a distraction for. Um, But I, I really do like this concept that, you know, there's, there's an attempt that they're, mm-hmm. and, and th- that's the part of being in a relationship with people too. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, to your point, Lauren, there is a point where dropping the rope is necessary. And I would almost argue that that is the loving and Christ-like thing to do mm-hmm. at sure. some times, because 100%. rather than, absolutely, you know, shoving the wedge in even deeper than it was before, that just gives people that space to kind of disarm and, step away from a situation rather than causing more hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that we need to be aware of in this time as we're having conversations and especially moving forward as we all process whatever happens after today, um, giving people the space to process whatever's happening without, you know, continually making it worse or emphasizing what either they did or or didn't get. Yeah, because you can drop the rope and sometime last laps and then pick and it then up bring again. it back and pick right. it up oh, again. time is powerful right so so, so I, I think I really like this uh I really like this thought of mm. how we can be in community and and eliminate that space because there is so much space between mm-hmm. everyone these days right especially during covid and with quarantining and stuff which actually makes this next point a little bit more challenging. And that is ultimately the the gift and the power of presence, um, especially if your love language is... Um, Gifts? You're going to buy me a present? Um, <laughs> quality time. <laughs> I was going quality time. I was jokes. making a joke but, and you didn't laugh and it's over. I did, so. I did Danielle. I, I did. I, didn't I bring you tropical smoothie? Just move I on. Feel like I, I, anyway. That, that's more like acts of service though. Okay, right. whatever. Okay, that, we're, we're losing the point. The point is, right, this idea of just being with each other, right? Kind of, we're talking about space, eliminating the space. Um, and during COVID, I know that's an extra challenge, but let's just be honest. We all know the feeling of either being tremendously hurt by the absence of someone's presence or tremendously healed by their presence. Um, and that's, right, for, for better or worse, all of us have experienced the power of presence, and I think it's interesting because we have this in our culture where if you say you support or, you know, a candidate or a position or a side or a party or whatever, we automatically assume, oh, well, if you support that, then, then that must mean you support all that they stand for or all that the, the party whole. says, like mm-hmm. the whole. 
Um, but that's not necessarily true, right? You can be a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or whatever, um, and you don't have to boycott Chick-fil-A. Um, or, you know, and sometimes especially, and I can get defensive about this just with the types of people that I love and have loved throughout the years and have relationships, you know, for some people it's like, no, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to support gay marriage. So therefore I'm not going to attend a gay wedding because they, right. It's like, well, if I don't support this or if I do support that, that means I can't, but I think that's a really toxic philosophy that really doesn't help with eliminating space. It actually just creates the wedge and makes it even harder. Yeah. And I think that there's an additional layer of on top of that. If you do subscribe to some kind of um, Christianity or do consider yourself a Jesus follower, because there's a lot of shame attached to so Mm. many of these things Mm -hmm. and people feel like if anyone sees them supporting or endorsing even one thing that they might think is questionable, they don't want anything to do with that because of whatever outside opinions or perspectives may be attached to that. And I think that it does create a very toxic environment. And that definitely applies to politics where people don't want to necessarily be seen as one thing or the other even if they are because they know how people might perceive them. You know, someone might be scared to admit that they are supporting one party or the other because people are automatically going to think, oh, well, you think Trump is the best or you think Biden is the best or whatever, but understanding that there are other layers to it necessarily, Mm -hmm. even if that can be really hard sometimes. Right. And especially as you were saying, like if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, because then even if you were just to take a quick glance at the scriptures, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, Jesus's greatest hits, you know, the things that we typically think about, you know, he's walking on water and turning water into wine and stuff. Like he does all of these things, but especially, you know, the one where um, Jesus heals this Roman soldier. He, his ear gets cut off. This is actually his enemy and he heals him. And I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't bless only the people he necessarily agreed with. He blessed and loved and was there and was with all sorts of people, even if they lived or made certain decisions that he wouldn't have. I think another good example of that is um, Judas being, you know, in part of his, not his like innermost circle, but in his inner circle. Yeah, he was a part of the, the crew. He was a homie. He was a homie, for sure. <laughs> and um, I was recently asked to do a, a devotional um, for a meeting that, that I was in and came across this. And it just like hit me in the chest of God calls us, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor. And that's it. Period. Right? Like there are, there's not a long list of what that looks like, who that may be. Mm. It's literally so vague for us to learn what that means. Right. And it's so difficult Mm -hmm. to do that. It's so hard, honestly, to love someone that is posting inflammatory things or, you know, that is just outright towards a a group of people or or whatever that thing is. It's really hard for me to be like, man, it's easier to just cut them out and, and silence that so that I'm not 
aware or made aware of, you know, like what they're doing or, or what they're saying. Um, but to always come back being a Jesus follower, like he is our example of mm-hmm. how to love one another. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, obviously he's God. And so maybe it was a little bit more easier to do it um, because of the, I think his knowledge of like, and his purpose for being here sure, on earth. Sure. Um, but to always keep that in in the back of our heads of like, man, there there are some horrible people in the world, um, but we're still called to love them. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus can heal a soldier's ear that's like about to take him yeah, off to arrest to, him to and be, kill him. Yeah, yeah. Like then I probably could, you know, even if I need to take a step back and catch my breath, you right, know, right. to like gather myself that I am still as a proclaimed Christ follower, like mm-hmm. that's still part of my job to do. Right. I mean, it would be so much easier if everyone loved their neighbor because then, yeah. you know, <laughs> you love me, I love you. It's like a Barney song. <laughs> that's exactly what I was, was But great, obviously great that's not the case. So I think it is important to acknowledge this is not easy no, and so none of us have this down. You know, right. it's we are not perfect in this area, even remotely so. I'm right. not. No. And especially, so it's interesting you bring up, you know, the loving your neighbor part. Um, I almost said their name. I'm not going to say their name. So where I live, I have a neighbor right across the street who has uh, a candidate sign, mm-hmm. a, a very large one, actually. Um, and then, and, and the, the sign was up for you know, a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm guessing. But then just the other day, <laughs> my neighbor right next to me got a flag. <laughs> and it's like, I see your sign. And, and, and this neighbor's flag is bigger and he drapes it across his house. Um, and then the neighbor with the, uh, the original neighbor, the other candidate sign, didn't like that big flag. So they went out and they got more. Now they're smaller, but they still got multiple signs. So it's like this battle of the neighbors. <laughs> Without which, ever actually speaking to each other. Right. And that's yeah. my point. Yeah. Um, and I was, so I was out with the kids playing basketball the other day. It doesn't matter. But the point is they were both out and I was just engaging in conversation with both of them. And with one, to your point, Lauren, it was a little bit more challenging, but I was thinking, no, I need to take initiative and I just want to hear you out. And and at one point it was getting, I wasn't getting heated. They were getting very impassioned. Um, and I wanted to say something, but I just said like, okay, well, that's interesting. You know, tell me more, right? Tell me more about that. And as they were processing, um, it just did start to soften a little bit. And you could almost see on their face um, like, a, like a certain type of peace that was kind of coming over them. Um, and, I, and I do think that's important. So yeah, loving your neighbor, no matter who their candidate is and the size of their signs or flags. Um, but it is important, I think, to what, what would it look like for us to help others experience just a little peace? Yeah, what would it look like if people didn't enter conversations feeling like they were going to be attacked? Right, right. Maybe because you go into the conversation with like, I am here to try and understand, right. you know, the right. other person's point of view, perspective, um, instead of, yeah, going in with like like a debate or something like that. And I, I think we we don't know how to have conversations sometimes. Right. Because right. a huge part of communication is actually listening and we don't. Right. I'll speak for myself. I don't do that 
Well, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to put the person you're listening to first. And I think that, you know, the whole the whole point of this, the whole point of having this conversation is, and it may be a really simple reminder, but we just, we need to be nicer to each other, you know? <laughs> it's simple. Maybe not even nicer, just nice. Just be nice. nice. <laughs> So true. I was at Tropical Smoothie actually getting you guys your stuff. When was that? Like a couple weeks ago. And this dude just unloads on this poor kid. And she wasn't a kid, but she was younger than I am. Uh, on Because he didn't want to wear a mask. Right. And she's just trying to do her job. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm sorry, sir. Like, and this is the policy. And he was just super not nice. And I just felt so bad. Like, there's this needless tension in this situation. Um, so yes, we need to be nice. And I think it actually goes back to, um, what I was saying at the beginning when, when God created us in, in, in Genesis one, because within that moment, it, it, the scriptures describe that they experienced shalom or p- completeness or wholeness, um, which I think is interesting because all of these things with, you know, with politics or certain positions or candidates or parties or whatever, all of these things just divide us. And whenever there's division, then we are not complete. We're not whole. Again, not the same, but supporting each other and being complete and whole. And according to the scriptures, that's shalom. And and so for me, it's almost like, okay, what can I do to help not just the whole world, but just my slice of the world, or even maybe just one person's world for them to experience some, some shalom, some peace and some completeness? Because clearly with some of these things, there is brokenness. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever stop struggling with the tension of loving our enemies or our neighbors and treating people that we disagree with on such fundamental and core values with kindness. But, you know, to Lauren's point earlier, Jesus was our example, um, is our example. And it doesn't, you know, just because it's going to be a struggle and just because it's going to be hard, that doesn't mean that he doesn't still expect us to try. You know, we don't have to agree on everything, but we can step into the power of presence and we can reach out and and grab the rope mm. when we feel that that gap forming. Right. So, right. I, I love that point. So imagine how the tone of conversations between those we disagree with might change if we approach our dialogue with wonder instead of expectation. Right? Like, what if we said, okay, well, my way may not be the only way, or my understanding may not be the only understanding. And, and honestly, like, my story may not be the only kind of story. So please tell me more. Like, tell me your story. And what got me thinking about that is um, when I was growing up in Chicago, um, there's the Art Institute. I love the Art Institute in downtown Chicago. Um, but one of my favorite artists um, is Monet. He's an impressionist uh, from the 19th and 20th century. And he, he does a series of paintings um, with, his, with his, it's like the Normandy train station. Um, and there's this one piece specifically called The Arrival of the Normandy Train. And um, I just love Impressionism and, and, and Monet. And it's one of those pieces where you see it from afar and like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I like the color, I like the light or whatever. But then the closer you get to it, it just becomes more beautiful because you see the detail of the brush strokes and, and the detail of the color and, and how he used the different colors and the different strokes of the brush to uh, to show light and action and movement and shadows and that sort of thing. Um, 
And so to me, I lo- one of the reasons I love Impressionism is not only is it beautiful from afar, but the closer you get, like the less space there is between you and the art, like the more wonder and beauty and the more respect and awe you have for the piece. And I think the scriptures are pretty, pretty clear, right? Paul talks about this in Ephesians, where essentially he says that you, like people, humans, you are God's masterpiece. And we are God's work of art. And I just wonder, is it true? Like, would it be true that the more we spend with each other and the more we learn each other, we get a little bit closer, we eliminate the space, would we find each other more beautiful in the details and in the differences? Um, Our treatment of one another sends, I believe, a far louder message than any stand we take on any particular issue. And if we reflect God's image, not in sameness, but through the beauty of diversity, yet completeness, I wonder, through that process, would we actually experience more peace and more shalom and more love for each other and respect and awe for each other and the beauty of the depth and the details for one another. I really think we all just need a little bit more shalom. Special thanks to our audio engineer, Alan Clark. He is the man. Music throughout this episode is by Common Man Music. Also, special thanks to Black Eyed Peas. Solid work. Please rate and review our podcast. It helps the show become more discoverable. If you like what you've been hearing, tell your friends. And if you'd like to connect with any of us, Lauren, Danielle, or myself, all of our contact information and social media handles are located in the show notes. We will see you next week.